0: Welcome to the Word of Life podcast, a ministry of Word of Life Church, located in La Minnesota. From sermon audio to midweek content and much more, we hope you are blessed by what you hear. For more information or to donate, please visit wordoflifemn.com now enjoy this week's episode we are kicking off a brand new series called jesus the early years um as as followers of uh, followers of jesus it is one of our privileges to get to know who he is and uh during, during Christmas, we, we talk about the birth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And, um, and, and sometimes it could be a little easy for us to forget that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is eternal. He didn't, like, start at birth or even at conception. He has always been. And, and so the Apostle John, when he starts his gospel, starts with Jesus in eternity. And he says... In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus, and so as we talk about um, Jesus, the early years, we're not talking about like him in eternity. Although we could go all the way back, uh, you know, we uh, to creation and talk about Jesus' role as he spoke the world into existence. But we are going to talk about some of the kind of the early years of Jesus uh, just kind of just leading up to and into the early part of his ministry as we talk about Jesus, the early years, and, and who He is and what He's done for us. Um, as I think about Jesus, um, I think about how, I think about how incredibly hard it must have been. To be Mary and Joseph, I'm a parent. Uh, you guys, um, I I have four kids, each one born in a different state, from coast to coast. Um, and uh, you know, Becca and Isaac are are, are, are with us right now, but uh, uh, you know, Breeze up at uh, school in Fergus Falls, and Cats out in Phoenix, and Doug's in you know, Vale, Colorado, and are you know our our family scattered all all over the place. But as as a parent, and you know. just and thinking about how stressful raising kids is because, like, we want to do this well. It's not like we have kids and we're like, ah, totally going to mess these kids up. I mean, I did. <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't mess my kids up. I did, but I didn't do it intentionally is what I'm trying to say. Like, we're, like, trying to do our best, I, you know, and... And I recognize, I look back and I'm like, oh man, I cannot believe I did that. I cannot believe I said that. There was this time as I was standing in the kitchen and I had just said no to and Doug, and I don't even know what I said no to. And I'm like, no. And then all of a sudden I had like this like moment of brief, it was a brief moment of clarity. And I asked Heidi, I'm like, why do I say no all the time? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> And that's where I was like, I need, to, I need to stop, like, no being my first answer. I think about parenting and how challenging it is. I think about Mary and Joseph parenting, raising the son of God. And I'm like, if I thought parenting my kids was stressful, how stressful is it to, to have the responsibility here Raise the son of God. What? The kind of panic that would, you know, kind of like grip me. And yet at the same time, it's also easy to forget that this kid who's in your house is also the son of God. Parenting is a challenge. I, um, I raise my kids with the, with the philosophy. Not everybody agrees with me, Okay. I'm just going to put it out there. not everybody agrees with me. I don't want you know like text messages and stuff saying you're wrong, Pastor J. I'm not saying this is in, in the Bible, this is just in Pastor J's parenting manual. okay flawed as it is. I raise my kids with the understanding that life's not fair and I do not parent fair. and. <laughs> Yeah, you like that, don't you? <laughs> I don't. I don't, give, I don't give every single kid the exact same thing. We don't, like, I mean, it's just, it, like, each kid is different. And so we parent them as the best of our ability to them specifically, not fairly. We don't treat them all the same. If so, it would have been really rough for Doug growing up because he had three sisters. And, you know, like, parenting fair would be really inappropriate. Because people are different. Doug's different from Becca, and Becca is different from Kat, and Kat is different from all of them, and Brie is different as well. So, when parenting, we had the opportunity to give our children phones. Now, I have my own phone philosophy that is, I don't give my children phones, I own phones. I own phones that I pay for, and I allow them to use those phones at my convenience because they're my phones. Now, there's some privileges to this because that means that when I put out my hand, Becca's an adult now, so I'm not going to use her as an example. She's got her own phone. But when, the, when Becca was young, I would put out my, fa- my hand, and I said, can I see my phone? And she would take out her phone, sometimes begrudgingly, and put it in my hand. That allowed me to kind of check out, like, who is she texting, and why are you talking to them like that? It allows us to coach, and all of those good things. But the truth is, I'm not fair. The phones are for me. And so each kid got their phone at a different time in life. It wasn't at the, you know, like, on their, like, 13th birthday or anything like that. And I realized to some parents that's the easiest thing for them to do. For me, it wasn't. You know, Doug was always involved in sports. Becca wasn't. Becca's involvement in sports was like running alongside somebody on the soccer field saying, hey, do you want to get together later? That'd be super fun. Doug, not so much. Doug always involved in sports, so it seemed like Doug always needed a ride. He always needed to be picked up. He always needed to be dropped off. He always needed to get to this game. He always needed to get to that game. And like the, the, the incessant need for contact with rides and stuff like that a lot, just basically said, here, have this phone, okay? Call me and tell me what field you're at. Baseball field, great. Football field, okay. Base, you know, baseball, soccer, whichever field you're at, just let me know where you are and when you need to get picked up. I loved him having that phone until he didn't answer it. You see, my rule with my phone was, I call, you answer. I text, you answer. And I don't know how many times... I'd call him, and it'd ring and ring and ring. I'd get no answer, and then I'm trying to pick him up, and I'm like, I'm doing this for you, buddy, you know, and no answer, this, that, and the other thing. And he'd get into the car, and I'd be, like, losing my mind. I'm like, dude, you got your phone? Yeah. How many times have I called you? 14. (laughs) Why didn't you answer it? Well, I had it on silent because of school. I'm like, well, that's a good choice. Why didn't you answer it? He's like, I didn't feel it. I'm like, was it in your, you know, he, wears, he wore shorts a lot and, you know, stuff like that. And unfortunately, now I have to deal with this unfairness in the opposite direction. You see, because now my kids are calling me. And they call Twice. And then they give up calling me because I didn't feel it (laughs) or I didn't answer the phone. And so now they just call Heidi, you know, like cut out the middleman. Why bother calling dad? It's not fair. He's not going to answer. There are these times when parents, I thought that I was right with Doug, dude, answer the phone. But now that it's happening where I'm the one who's in the wrong, I'm like, I don't know. I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't feel it. He's like, yeah. I tried that with you years ago. (laughs) And you said that that's not a good reason. It all comes back. Parenting is hard. I can't imagine parenting the Son of God. Let's take a look at a text with Jesus boy Jesus uh, in the early years. Uh, If you have your Bibles with you, you can uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. If not, it'll be right up here, or you can just get your phone out and get the Bible app and look it up. Luke 2, starting in verse 41, reading in Jesus' name, because it's God's word, not mine. Now, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom, and when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, a day's journey, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. (coughs) And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why are you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Here ends the reading of God's word. Every year, this is not a new event for him. This is not a new place. This is not a new new thing. Every year of his life, they would go up to Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem's kind of on a mountain. So every time we talk about ju- going up to Jerusalem, it doesn't matter what direction they're coming from. They're going up to Jerusalem. Uh, and so when, when, the, when, when Jesus is 12 years old, they're living in Nazareth, which is just which is a ways north. They go up to Jerusalem. They celebrate the Passover with the Jewish nation. And, um, and while they're there, you know, they're having a great time. It's a great festival. They go, it's normal to go up with a large group of people. It's safer to travel as a caravan. And uh, of family, friends, people from Nazareth. <coughs> and, um, and so as they're there, everything is great. Festival is over, everybody packs up, heads back uh, to Nazareth. Now, the normal way to leave Jerusalem to go up, you know, down to Nazareth is to come down the mountain, go down to the, down to the river, cross over the Jordan River, go up the other side, and then get up towards the Sea of Galilee, cross over, and then boom, you're up into the hill, hill country, into the small town of Nazareth. They get about a day's journey away, which usually would put them, you know, either in Jericho or past Jericho. So they traveled for a day, just kind of trusting that Jesus was there with them. After a day, they go looking for him and they realize, oh, he's not here. Now, remember, they're raising the Son of God You just lost the Son of God. Man, I get into a panic when I lose my keys. I can't imagine the panic if I lost the Son of God. I knew he was here somewhere. They travel all the way back another day's journey. They search everywhere, and after three days, so day's journey out, day's journey back, and then they search for a full day. They finally find him in the temple. Is he panicked? No. Are they panicked? Probably. <laughs> Is, it, he's just sitting there in the temple, hanging out with the teachers, you know, listening, asking questions. I'd love to have this 12-year-old hanging around, you know, at, at Word of Life. That sounds like fun. Just listening, asking questions. What do you mean by that? What's that all about? Huh? Huh? Okay, and then Mary and Joseph bop in and they say, son, why have you treated us so? Why'd you do this to us? What are you doing? And, and, and they, uh, we've been searching for you in great distress. Yeah, distress. You lost your kid for three days who's also the son of god i'd be in great distress i think that was a very polite way of putting it why'd you do this it's it's hard you see i read this story and i read it like a parent and if you read it like a parent, who do you identify? You identify with Mary and Joseph, and all of a sudden you start looking at Jesus, who I understand fully is the Son of God and I'm like, Jesus, why'd you do that? Anybody here who think who might think that like Jesus did the wrong thing there, like leaving mom and dad you're right, don't raise your hands. that was good <laughs> no but honestly like I read this and I'm like, Jesus, man, if you were growing up in my house, you'd be in serious trouble. If if one of my kids, like, disappeared for three days and didn't check in, man, there'd be some serious trouble at my house. I don't care if you're 12 years old. That's not okay. And then we remember that Jesus is the Son of God. That he is perfect, that he is sinless, which means he has never said or done anything wrong. So, what he was doing and what he was saying as he explained it to them was A, 100% honest. This wasn't just a, a 12 year old, you know, a 12 year old's brain dead answer. And I know I was brain dead when I was 12 year old, and I've told you some crazy stories about me being brain dead. This is not that. Jesus didn't answer his parents and say, what, what, what? I didn't do anything. That is not what Jesus is saying. What, Je- what Jesus is saying is, what? Uh, didn't you know that I'd be here? I don't, I don't get it. Why didn't you know that I'd be here? This is exactly where I need to be. I need to be in the house of the Lord, my father's house. And, and But the scriptures say right here, they didn't understand. They did not understand what he was saying. Does that mean that he was saying the wrong thing? No. Does that mean that he was saying something brain dead? No. He's perfect. Jesus Christ is perfect, and he was doing exactly the right thing. And he said exactly the right thing. And it's not his fault that they didn't understand it. And so maybe if you're not a parent and you hear this text and you're like, well, that makes sense to me. I'm not a parent. I listen to it maybe maybe from the perspective of Jesus. It's like, oh, yeah, being right there. He didn't do anything wrong. It's not like he's disobeying his parents. He wasn't. He just wasn't. Jesus wasn't where they expected him to be. Jesus was where he needed to be. The right place at the right time. It's easy for us to forget that God is perfect. Mary and Joseph knew that Jesus was the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mary and Joseph knew that. But in the everyday life, it is so hard to remember that he's perfect, that he's sinless, and that everything that he says and does is 100% right. And before I pick on Mary and Joseph too much, I have to confess that we do the exact same thing. It's easy for us to forget that God is perfect, that what he says and does is 100% perfect, that he loves us perfectly, that his plan of salvation is perfect. But when, when hard things happen, when the people that we love are hurting, when things happen that we don't understand, and we ask God why, and we don't get clear answers, It is so easy for us to forget that God is perfect. And sometimes we blame God or hold God accountable for things even though He did it perfectly. Because we don't have the mind of God. We don't see as God sees. God knows. He knows everything. He sees everything and everyone. God is doing it perfect, and He still is. And he, God was, is perfect in all of His ways, and God is God, and I am not. And Jesus, the Son of God, who has existed from eternity past and is still existing in eternity future and is existing right now and seated at the throne of God at the right hand, just interceding for us, even as Jesus was 12 years old, he was still the Son of God and absolutely perfect. And I can't imagine the perfect, eternal awesome God, humbling himself to be born into the limits of a human body, but he did. I can't imagine him growing up with the limitations of a human life, but he did. And I also cannot imagine the Son of God submitting himself to imperfect parents, but he did. I further, it's hard for me to imagine that the perfect Son of God submitted himself to death on a cross that he did not deserve. He didn't deserve death on the cross because he is perfect. The wages of sin is death. Sin earns us death. He never sinned, and yet he died in our place so that he could take the sting of death away from us so that everyone who believes in him receives eternal life in place of death. The perfect son of God was perfect at 12 years old, and he was perfect on the cross, and he is perfect for you. Jesus dies for us in our place to give us life. And so as we look at Jesus, the early years, and we see 12-year-old Jesus, the temptation is for us to look at the Son of God and say, I don't know, you didn't look like you did it right. He did it right. He always does it right. And it's tempting even now sometimes to look at God and say, What are you doing? What are you doing? He is the perfect God and he loves us very much. And sometimes, just like Mary and Joseph, we just don't understand. So when we don't understand, when we don't understand what God is doing or why something happened, trust God that he is perfect and he is loving you perfectly one we don't understand. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, you're awesome and I'm not. You're God and I'm not. You are seated on a throne, not made with human hands, just seated in majesty and, and shining in all of your glory. We are blessed to come into your presence to worship you. We thank you, Lord God, for for sending your Son to be our Savior. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for humbling yourself, submitting yourself to becoming the Son of Man and the Son of God, to be born in, in human likeness and submitting yourself even to death on the cross. And we just thank you and praise you. We thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit, for pouring it out, to give us understanding. We confess to you that we, that we don't always understand. And we confess that we don't always do it right. Thank you for loving us anyways. Thank you for walking with us in life, leading and guiding us. Lord, help us to submit to you knowing that even when we don't understand that you are perfect and you love us perfectly. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen.